You're listening to This Hong Kong Life, a podcast of stories and conversations with everyday youth across Hong Kong. Every week, we bring you episodes that reflect the unique bilingual nature of our city's culture, sharing the voices and thoughts of young people growing up and living in the city we call home. Welcome to Season 3. Our theme is Mental Health and Me. Welcome to the show. Uh, we're really excited to start this new season with a guest from out of town who used to live in Hong Kong, but uh, now she's back. Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I think it's quite incredible when you do meet somebody who becomes then almost a lifeline for you um, in this sense. Um, how did you start to build that trust? Because I think, you know, a lot of young people feel like, especially when you're in that moment, you feel really alone, you feel like nobody understands you, and somebody comes into your life, whether it's a friend or a psychologist in your case, but how do you build that trust, you know, with somebody, particularly when you're feeling so vulnerable? I think now, since I'm progressing my own career in it, I'm seeing it on both sides. And one advice I always give to people when you're seeing like a professional is you shop for it. You try a session if you can. If you don't like them, that's okay. You're not always going to mesh properly. And when you're going to be opening up to someone about your vulnerabilities, it needs to be someone you can say to them, I'm really struggling, and know they're not going to walk away and go, well, it could be this, you're overreacting. You want someone who's going to say to you, hey, it's okay. Let's talk about it. Let's think about how we can make today just a bit better. So don't be afraid to push back if you need to. If you don't agree with what your psychologist is saying or your friend is saying, you can say, well, I don't like that. So trying around and then I think coming from a psychology perspective where I've worked with some people in volunteer settings, it's about letting them come to you. You can gently nudge them, but when you say to them, well, you have to come to therapy, kids and adolescents just back off and they go, nope, I'm not doing this because they don't like to be told what to do. So you need to have this equal balance between you because, and I think that's something a lot of kids struggle with. Your psychologist is someone who's at least in their mid-30s and you might be, for me, 12. You don't have that balance there, so you need to find a way to meet on equal ground. And it can be a bit difficult, but I think it's very dependent on the psychologist and the group. So the support groups I did in Cardiff, you know, we would dress up as Disney characters with the children because they were missing out on a lot of the social aspects of life because of the disabilities. So by coming in as a Disney character that they absolutely adore, you meet them in their own world and you go, I understand that you love Elsa from Frozen and we can actually open our whole conversation with Frozen. So building it. At age 12 is when all of this really started for you. Primary school on the cusp of middle school, that's when the bullying was at its worst in Tokyo. You know, it got very physical, mental at points. And I definitely found there was a point where I broke and I started fighting back. So I do look back on it and go, I wasn't weak. I was never weak at any point because I actually got through it. It was a really awful point in my life, but I'm here now. I think you make such a really good point, Alex, about weakness. Most times, young people, actually a lot of people think, when they think mental health, they think weakness. Or people who are struggling with mental ill health, um, it's a sign of weakness. Um, but I think what you pointed out is not true. 
No, I think, you know, you have to be incredibly strong to experience any type of mental health issue or whether you're just feeling really stressed and anxious because everything is on a bit of a spectrum and, yeah, you're strong, everyone, you know, you will get through it and I think it's sometimes the worst thing you hear from any adult especially going, things will get better. But it is true, but you do need to keep strong and keep fighting. So for me, when I was the bullying, I fought back. I got in trouble. I kicked my bully back when they kicked me. But that was the end point for me going, I'm not going to be hit by you anymore. Mm. And I never hit anyone else after that. But it was kind of that point for me going, you can do this because you just took down the person twice your size. Mm. And then you've said to your parents, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm. And they, I was very lucky they listened to me. And then I just I kept going. Mm. And it's like in my university when I was really struggling in my second year, you just had to, sometimes even when you felt completely weak and you really just didn't want to get out of bed, you didn't want to shower, you just felt a bit hopeless. So one thing I find that really helps me is making my bed. It helps me process my day, especially when I'm on a bit of a downward spiral or I'm feeling a bit stuck. Because if I make my bed, I can shower, I can wash my hair, I can do something that is a little bit more self-care to me that'll make the rest of the day better. It's great to hear that you've actually done quite a lot of things that help you to self-regulate and to manage yourself throughout your day. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the friendships that you you had when you came here to Hong Kong. You mentioned that, you know, it was a higher point for your life uh, at that time, uh, that you were much happier as well. Share with us, like, how were your friends a part of that journey of your healing as well? Well, it was literally my first day at school here and I'd gone from no birthday parties, no real social groups in Tokyo for quite a while and I got back and it had been a bit of a rough day at first school, you know, I came in the wrong uniform, I didn't have anything really set up and it was a different school system and I walked in the front door and my mum went, I've had six different phone calls already and it was different students who'd asked their parents to call and the little parent phone book to ask me to come to a party the next weekend, to go to the beach, to the movies and we were a very small group, the 12 in our year group, so you were automatically really close-knit. And then, you know, we expanded over the years, and we've all gone on different ways, but there's still quite a close connection. Mm. Did you ever have a chance to share what you had gone through um, in Tokyo with some of your friends here in Hong Kong? My friends at Faust knew we did a lot of quite intimate work in the theatre, and when we were doing quite intense shows, sometimes we would talk about our previous experiences where we'd felt very alone, very sad, to kind of build and draw from it how we might present it ourselves. Because I do think it's very important to show that accurate portrayal of how it can present sometimes. Like for me, when I was really sad with the bullying, I showed it by being quite aggressive and withdrawn at points, where some, some people might find when they're really sad, they don't show it all. They might try to be really overly positive. So it has a wide range. Mm. Um, a few of my friends in my school knew about it, but I tried to almost put it behind me because I was trying to, for me, it meant I've put a wall and I've stepped over it and I can look back at it, but it's not something that I was going to let affect me forever. Mm. So it was a process, you know, you can't just put a wall up in a day. So it was like a small line of bricks at first. Making eye contact was a huge thing for me. And in year nine, I couldn't do it. But by year 10, I could make eye contact. And the stuttering was stopping. I was getting more involved. And that was that wall slowly building behind what had previously been affecting me. 
It's incredible to hear your journey um, just since you were 12 uh, and now you are 22. Yeah. Um, it's been an incredible 10 years, it sounds like. Um, so, how has your experiences sort of led you to what you're wanting to do now in your career? You know, it always experiences the fact that I had such amazing people around me, my psychologist. Um, even like a school nurse, people who were always there to talk to me about something meant so much to me and that meant I went into my Bachelor of Science in Psychology and then I loved working with kids so much and interacting with them and being able to be a voice to them as well to say, hey, you know what, it's okay to feel this way, it's actually really normal to be scared sometimes and that just keeps me going. So now you are in progress of studying to become a psychologist? Yeah, I'm just finishing off my master's in psychological disorders, so still quite a way to go. I need to do quite a bit of mental health work, around, especially in the UK, that's a very special style of teaching there. And then the actual training course is on three years in the UK, and then three years for the NHS. But the goal is pretty much to come back to Hong Kong. It's been my anchor for a very long time. I remember when I got the call that we were moving to Hong Kong, it was just a, let's go, I'm, I'm ready. And I knew what I wanted. And that's something I really built on from all those struggling times to go, I really want this, I want to get there. And visualizing it, I think that's quite important to visualize where you want to be. Yeah, that's quite incredible. Well, we've had a really good time just actually being inspired by your story today, Alex. Um, and I hope that for those of us who are listening into the show today, that you are coming away um, encouraged by Alex's story and also having some chances to reflect as well um, in case you or somebody else around you might be struggling with cyberbullying as well. Alex, as we wrap up our time with you, would you have some tips to share with other young people who are listening in today? So one of my things I do myself and with kids I work with is I call it my happy and my angry flower and it's a really arty way to look at what makes me happy and what makes me feel sad and it's a big flower I draw out and my circle of my flower is the moment I feel happiest so super happy and then my angry flower is when I've been feeling my lowest so for me when I was being bullied or my second year of university when I felt really alone and my petals of my flower actually talk about what made me feel that way. So with the angry flower I talked about, I listened to really sad music and I hadn't realized that the sad music sometimes makes me think about sadder things. So instead, my happy flower, I looked at happy music, upbeat things, going for a walk, and it just helps me figure out what actually makes me feel okay and get better and get me out of the funk sometimes. So. The fact is sometimes just washing my hair makes me feel a bit more human in the day and I feel like I can do a bit more. And that's the opposite of my angry flower where when I was in my worst point, I didn't wash my hair enough and I really wasn't looking after myself. It's a very good way to compare two really different points but give you goals and little tips that can help you get there. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's a fantastic uh, resource and a way for, for us all actually to take a minute and think about our happy and uh, sad flowers. Thank you so much, Alex. It's been great to have you on our show today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. This Hong Kong Life is an initiative of Kelly's Support Group. We are a youth organization empowering young people to reach their full potential in Hong Kong. See you next time. 
Common Room with Alison Howe. Common Room with Alison Howe.